Hi guys and welcome back to the Female Fitness Podcast. So I'm your host Danny, and today I have the pleasure of being joined by Petrina who I've come across through social media. We've been following each other for a while now. We have very similar sort of morals and values and she is just an incredibly inspiring human being who I'm sure many of you will have the same thoughts of and I feel like her message is one that you guys need to hear. So Petrina, could you give us a bit of sort of background on your journey through life and fitness so far? Yeah, yeah. I mean, well, thank you for that introduction, because that means a lot coming from you, because I really respect you and the message that you're putting out and and really why I wanted to talk to you and kind of share the story with you, because I feel like you'll represent it and value it in the same way that I do um but to give a bit of background um for people that don't know me um I was diagnosed um with cancer in 2014 so that was when my original cancer diagnosis was um and um they I was I was actually pregnant and they found it while I was pregnant and um, I was living in New York and I was I was 31 years old and I had this like huge career. I was working for this asset management firm and I'm very ambitious and um, was with my husband and like, like flying high in life. And um, they I had a, a pregnancy uh, routine checkups and one of my smears came back abnormal. They sent me to the oncologist and the oncologist said to me, don't worry about it. Just come back after you've had the baby. So I was 31 and, you know, living this amazing life and, um, you know, who has cancer at 31. And so, um, off I went and, um, I had, um, the baby and, um, he was five months old when they um, found the tumor. So the tumor and the cancer had been spreading and growing while I was pregnant and they had kept missing it. Um, so by the time they found the cancer, I had a 16 centimeter uh, tumor in me, uh, which was inoperable and uh, meant that I had to go into a process of uh, quite intensive, like chemo radiation. Um, so I had radiation every single day and, and chemo concurrently once a week on top of it. Um, and then I had something called brachiotherapy, which is internal radiation. So um, it was a very it was a very traumatic, grueling time and it was quite shocking. And, you know, I I, I was like, who has cancer? <laughs> Got a five-month-old baby. Um, and um, to to be honest, like that in itself um, was very traumatic and grueling. And um, we got through it and um, thought um, after um, I was given the all clear, which was um, around kind of the, the treatment itself lasted about three months, um, three, four months. And then um, they wait three more months to give you the all clear. And then I had no evidence of disease. And so I was like, okay, great. Like I'm going to go back to normal and go back to my job. And um, uh, didn't really know what life had in store for me. And um, essentially what subsequently happened was I had developed um, something uh, called pelvic radiation disease. And it's quite a common side effect for the type of treatment that I've had in women and uh, and men too, when you have um, radiation to the pelvis, but um, people develop it at different times and it can often go away. And um, sadly, um, I have, um, I'm probably in the kind of top 1% uh, in terms of severity of the, the, the disease. 
And um, the disease is lifelong and it's chronic. And um, essentially what it means is that it's shutting down all of the organs um, uh, that I have internally in my pelvis. Um, and as it um, continues and progresses, it creates scar tissue. So um, I've had um, all sorts of um, health issues relating to that. So um, in 2018, I was very, very ill. Um, I developed another tumor in my, in my bladder um, and I was um, losing a lot of blood. I had a lot of blood transfusions and, and was hemorrhaging and I had emergency surgery. Um, I nearly lost my my whole bladder, which would have meant I would have had an orostomy bag, which kind of sits on your stomach. Um, but they saved half of my bladder. So again, I thought like, okay, well, that was a crisis, but got through that. And then I stopped being able to eat or drink. Um, and I didn't really know or understand what was going on. And um, it turned out that the disease had spread and formed scar tissue in the bowel. So I had a bowel obstruction and I was very, very ill for a long time. And I, I actually ended up uh, being in hospital uh, for probably about four five months um because i was too sick for surgery um because i wouldn't have survived it um so they kept me in hospital and they fed me intravenously um through something called it's called tpn um and basically you don't eat or drink and um, they feed you and they they essentially are keeping you alive um so they kept me alive for the surgery and i went in for the surgery um and i was going to have a colostomy bag but they gave me a bowel resection so i lost half of my small intestines and half of my colon and then came out of that and that was very challenging because you, you know not just from the abdominal recovery but from also a process of you have which is probably incomprehensible to people but you have to learn to eat again because I hadn't eaten in, I hadn't eaten or drunk a single thing in nearly five, six months. And so your body stops producing any ability or capability of actually being able to like absorb, break down or digest food. So that in itself was very difficult. Um, and um, the disease sadly has um, continued to spread. And uh, now, um, the rest and the remaining part of my bowel is um, diseased. So um, I'll be having a stoma surgery. And um, because of the pressure that it's put on um, my organs, um, I, I I also had sepsis um, and uh, an ovarian cyst. So uh, my kidneys are now failing and um, I'm waiting for the stoma surgery. Um, and they're going to also take out uh, my ovaries now and the prognosis of the disease is that um, I'll probably end up having a total uh, pelvic and I always pronounce this incorrectly um, exoneration and what that means is that you lose all of the organs in your pelvis and you end up with uh, two bags um, one like a colostomy and a urostomy and so the irony is the treatment that was meant to save me, which did save me from the cancer originally, is actually the thing that's killing you slowly. So um, I've been sick since 2014 and, um, you know, I, I, I've got a long road ahead of me next year for 2023. And um, it's 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 not a cure. It's just a it's just that this is the next kind of step in the process. And so I think kind of coming to terms with 
the the fact that you're never going to get better and and this thing is going to take more and more has been like such such a journey so that's kind of where where we're at at the moment if, if you had known what it would lead to would you go yeah. back and still have the treatment that you had so um when they told us um about the treatment uh, it was it's quite it's quite strange that you asked that because my initial reaction to it was okay what are the alternatives um can I have some time to think about this because I was young and naive but just intuitively I really felt that well you know this is this is huge like chemo's poison basically radiation's burning you it just kind of intuitively didn't feel right without asking and I'm I'm quite a logical person and I really I I really didn't want to do it but they they said they were very very crystal clear that without it I was going to die um and I needed to start soon and I had a five-month-old baby and um you know that I just that that's just kind of what I what I what I did I was quite naive but it's an interesting question because I think um you know the the older my son's gotten it's different now because you know he understands more he's more of a person but would I have made that that trade back then I I I I, if I hadn't have had a baby it's, it's it's a it's a really it's a really tough tough question to ask I think you know yeah. having children you know kind of changes that perspective but um you know the it is it, pretty unbelievable kind of what's happened in the last eight years and and yeah, it's it, it, there's a lot of suffering yeah it's it's a hard one isn't it because obviously it was pretty much like your only option at the time but yeah. it, it's led to so many life challenges for you so it's yeah. such a difficult yeah. one to even comprehend and I think from the doctor's point of view as well as is um, they don't even know because not everyone ends up like me. So, I, you know, I have amazing cancer care and, and the, such great treatment. And, um, you know, some of the surgeons that look after me who are specialists have said you know, they probably meet one person globally a year who who has the extent of the disease that I do so there's lots of us who have the disease but it doesn't always present in the same way or it does and then it stops but there's there's just no so at the at the time the doctors will always tell you you know you do the treatment because the the odds are that you'll come out of it okay yeah I was just that unlucky one one percent like you never could have called it yeah and it would be very easy like in your situation to kind of resent the the people that sort of recommended that treatment to you but it sounds like you have a really sort of like mature perspective on that yeah yeah I mean the 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 I I don't I don't resent the the treatment because I think it saved my life and so I'm here because of it I wish that I and I think the lesson that I've learned and taken away from it all is I really, really feel like we don't advocate enough for ourselves in terms of our health. And back then I was 31, 32 and people are telling you cancer and you have a baby and it's very scary. And we just kind of went along and did what people suggested that we do. And I, I see this because things that are different now with me. But, you know, you ask most people, well, what's your blood type? and people won't know 
when what happened to you this year like what have you broken what illnesses have you had people don't understand their medical histories or that and and, and you need to know yourself to advocate for yourself and I, I, that's really kind of the biggest lesson and, and what I would say to people as well you know because don't wait for a health crisis to put yourself in the hands of someone people can help you to a certain extent but the more information you have on yourself and the more that you know and you understand yourself and your body the more you'll be able to advocate for yourself and I think that that's really really important yeah Definitely. And so with everything that you've been through, I know that you still train. I think it would be very easy for a lot of people (laughs) in your circumstance to be like, training is the last thing on my mind. But what purpose (laughs) does training serve for you personally now? And what does your training look like? For me, training is my highest form of self-care. Like when you talk about self-care in 2022 and, you know, everyone's different. But for me, it is the biggest form of self-care and self-respect that I have for myself. And it is about the appreciation and gratitude that I have that I'm still here and I'm still capable. And I have a phrase uh, which I uh, always say, which is potential and possibility. And I use this because I feel like there's a lot of people that move through life and use comparison in a really kind of negative type way where instead of actually thinking about well, what's the possibility like life circumstances are always going to shift like you know you get older you get married you change jobs you change geography your environment is different maybe you're more stressed at work you might have a baby so your environment and situation will always shift, but you'll always have potential and there'll always be possibility. It's just what you want to look for in it. So has my training shifted and aligned dependent on what my health situation is? Of course, absolutely, 100%. But it still doesn't occur to me that I can't go train because for me, you know, that is the expression of kind of my um, self-care to myself, but I don't, um, I also think people really overcomplicate training and yeah. health. And especially kind of as you and I know, um, I've I've done a lot of uh, photos with um, Jodie this year and um, my training is not complicated. I, I train three times a week for an hour and that's it, literally it. And then when you'll do photos and you know, kind of with social media and everyone's got an opinion, but people think that it's this like incredibly complex extreme process um and it's really not it's just actually about being very smart and you know having the right people around you who are smart and who can guide you so you know for me training is three three times three times a week for one hour strength training um and that will adapt depending on what's going on so um you know for example um, at the moment my balance is quite off um so like we're really kind of uh much more like focused on like how we can like modify certain exercises so like I can actually do kind of unilateral things like with support or balance um and then obviously I have abdominal issues and pain so we avoid things like hip thrusts and so working around that but it's you know you know it's actually it's actually not as like my situation is complex but training overall for the average person doesn't have to you don't have to be in the gym for hours hours on end to 
you know have have certain goals yeah and even if you didn't do things like photo shoots with Jodie for example yeah. would you still train the the photos were uh, the photos are absolutely I the objective was never photos ever ever the photos for me were just a way in which to capture the expression of the training and how much I love the training it's it's nothing to do with the photos like I've never been like let's start training let's prep let's do this for the photos it's always just been this this absolute joy of training and what my body like my body continues to keep me alive and I feel the resilience given the circumstances that it's under the joy that I found in training and the appreciation of actually being able to use my body and what a gift it is to be able to go and do these things in life like that's what the photos are that's the that's the expression of them it has nothing to do with has I has nothing to do with the aesthetics or the photos or social media I couldn't and that's why I love Jody because like he knows that like I, I, I couldn't care less like it's just literally about the fact that I think it is incredible that I am still alive and still here and still able to do these things amongst all of these circumstances. And so if I get a shot, if I get an opportunity, I'm going to take it. And that's just kind of who I am. Yeah, I love that. And I loved how you spoke about as well, the fact that you don't have to overcomplicate the run-up to a photo shoot and you can just show up as yourself and express yourself because that's what um I know you spoke about sort of how before we started recording this how you sort of started following me after our shoot with Jodie and that was very much about I said to my clients, look, you know, this is not about extreme fat loss. It's not about getting as shredded as possible. It's about celebrating yourself and the phase that you're in, in your journey. And it's given you something to be proud of, to look back on, to push yourself out of your comfort zone. And like, for example, I didn't manipulate anything. I literally just showed up as I was on the day. And like, I think that actually is a very liberating thing to do because it shows you that you don't have to, manipulate your external appearance to do that kind of thing I I agree and I also think that I actually think you've hit on something really important because I actually think counter to the photos is that it can become quite toxic for some girls and and I know a lot of people who will do photo shoots and and go through that process to look that way and then you get stuck into this cycle of where you suddenly don't like yourself normal because you looked so so different in these photos and that's how you want to look all of the time and I think the goal in life is really to just understand like that how you show up and and your character and the things that you can be proud of in terms of your self-esteem and your self-worth and it's not derived from your physical being you can still do these things like your worth you're worth celebrating it's not what you look like it's the actions that you've taken to get yourself to that point and the photo is just a a, is a is a is a capturing of that process um and so you know I think the fact that you you went and you showed up I think that's so key because I think it's 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 heartbreaking seeing so many people go through this process where they are so genuinely upset either restricting rebounding 
and then feeling guilty and all of these emotions and it's I think it's a real it's a real real issue and it really upsets me with women yeah I agree I think it's it's really I think it's exacerbated by things like bodybuilding unfortunately it's not that bodybuilding is bad but it's that people see this process that they go through in terms of the improvement season where they're trying to build muscle tissue followed by the extreme prep and then they then replicate that when they don't have a need to do that because they don't they don't step on stage but they replicate that process for things like photo shoots when actually it's not necessary yeah I agree I think the problem is with training is like if we look at life just overall just in terms of like society and uh, and validating us I think the problem is with training is in a lot of other aspects like we're looking for social validation and you can be accredited through university degrees how accomplished you are at work like your job like money and I think the issue is with training is that people are training and they're trying to and and they like it and they enjoy it and they're feeling like, well, how do I validate this? And there's kind of only two ways to get the social validation, which is either you do the photos or you go into bikini prep. And I think that this is where a lot of people and I I, I talked to some of my friends who have done photos and um who, about this. And, and, and even recently, a friend of mine was saying, you know, I think think maybe I'll do maybe I'll do a competition. And I was like, but why? Because actually, like it's distinctly different between like what you want from your life versus like what you're going to get. But it's because, you know, there's not many ways in which to kind of, unless you're self-validated, like, and I think that that's why people look to do photos or bikini competitions because there's some kind of form of validation. And and I I think it's a real problem because I think you lose the joy and the the, the joy is in the training. I tell you, the joy is in the physical showing up, the self-respect, the discipline, the appreciation of having a body that moves and works for you. That's where the joy is. And that's what you have to validate for yourself. Like the photos are are not important. And if you want to prep and do bikini competitions, go, go for it. But I just always say to people like, you just have to understand why you're doing something and making sure it's for the right reasons and not because you're lacking something in yourself that needs to be validated. A hundred percent. Like, I think that's such an important point. And did you, before you went through all of the life challenges that you've been through, was your focus for training more external appearance based or have you always had the mindset of like, training is about how I feel and supporting my health and celebrating my body. Yeah. So, um, I think before, so before all of this happened, because, um, so I was living in New York and I had my career, my training was just very, like, it was, it was very haphazard, like probably a lot of like running. It was just more like heart health and just making sure I was okay. Because to be perfectly frank, I didn't really have the time to, delve kind of deeper into fitness outside of like just going and just making sure that my heart was okay and then I was just like work 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 and then um with my health issues what became quite apparent is this because of the complexity of my situation there's actually not a lot of people that really understand and can really train me safely um so I'm quite unique in that sense um but it's never it's 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 never ever been about aesthetics ever um and you know 
look I'll hold my hands up and say like of course like I've been aesthetic focused like in other aspects um you know I think that like I, I grew I grew up in an era where Kate Moss did her heroin chic model post and ever and that that was the look it was like be so skinny you look like you're about to die and that's that's that was the look um so of course like we're all bombarded all of the time about aesthetics and I think you know it is something very difficult and you know when I was told I was obviously having a stoma bag or a urostomy bag is it every girl's dream? You know, no, of course not. Like, I'm going to be brutally honest. I'm not going to sit here and say, oh, I can't wait for next year and get a stoma bag. Um, but, you know, is it necessary? Is it required? A hundred percent. Is it going to change my character and who I am? No. And it's sad. It's, it's upsetting. But I think that, you know, life uh, complicated emotions can coexist like gratitude and positivity as well as you know feelings of loss and grief um, and wanting more from your life can can coexist um, you just have to be very self-aware so you know I'm not immune to um, the understanding of aesthetics because as I said it's very real you know the the urostomy and stoma bag being very good example you know that is physically going to change me and it's not something that everyone sees every day so you know like like people look at people people will look like if you're on the beach if you're in a bikini like it's going to happen but again this goes back to like like what's your validation like where are you getting your validation from and like for me like I self-validate and so I I I I know that I will be able to handle it when the time comes because it's not about aesthetics because it's not going to change my character I'm still going to be Petrina I'm still going to be this person um I'm just you know like going to have a bag am I going to love it no like I'm not there's a lot of people who are really cool with it and I have a lot of friends who are also cool with it because it saved their lives but are also very realistic and like yeah yeah, of course I look down and like I don't want it I don't and I don't want it I'm very honest like I don't want it I'm gonna have it and but but again it goes back to this validation and, and where we're deriving that from and just the understanding that you know, we are influenced by aesthetics, but you, you, you've got to try and figure out and rise above it and understand your own values and who you are as a character and a person. Yeah. And it's like you, there's sort of a bit of a line and like you can care about aesthetics, you can care about your external appearance, but it's important not to let it become your identity and what defines you and to know that like you are so much more than that, like you've said. Yeah, I also would say, and I add to this on the flip side as well, for a very long time, I felt very, very guilty that I did somewhat care about aesthetics because I had survived so much and I wanted more from my life. And I felt guilty and I hid it because at the back of my mind and the narrative that's out there is, well, just be happy you're alive. Everyone, like lots of people die. And I've had lots of friends who have died. um, And so you kind of hold yourself back because you feel like you're being greedy and you feel like it's vain. But this is what I'm saying about the complexity. If you have the right person and, you know, again, like why I resonate with the things that you say so much and you said something, you know, about that really hit hit with me, which I believe in, which is like progressing towards your goals 
regardless of your circumstances and not waiting for perfection. And I think that as as long you you can have aesthetic goals and you don't have to feel guilty about it, but just as long as they're for the right reasons and that's the work that you have to do. And so I also don't think that we should cancel people who have aesthetic goals but um, because I think that both 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 ends of the spectrum are, are dangerous. Yeah. Um, if that makes sense. Exactly. It's about finding that middle ground and just making that it making sure that it doesn't become your identity. Because yeah. when it does, that's when you're at risk of really struggling. If, for example, something happens and you can't train for whatever reason, and therefore your external appearance changes, you're gonna feel. Well. Yeah, like you're like yourself. Yeah. You're going to feel like horrend- like your world is coming crashing down if you've tied your identity to your external appearance. Whereas if you recognize like yourself that actually there's so many more important things about you. And yes, you care about your external appearance, but it isn't why you're valued and it isn't why you're important for the people around you. And so it, you know, it's okay if your external appearance fluctuates and it's okay if it changes. and also it's about you know there are some things that you just can't control in life and you have to get a handle on that so you know for me I've been all ends of the spectrum like I can train and eat but my body is going to do what it wants to do and when I've been really sick I was 41 kg and looked like I was going to snap in half the other week I was in hospital I put on 8 kg um, in six days I like blew up and you have to be okay with yourself. Like I, I, I can do photos, but there'll be times where I have no muscle mass and I'm wasted. And there'll be times where I'm huge because I'm on steroids and I'm sick or I've got fluid. If I, if I tied my whole value to what I look like, I would be in wild trouble because it oscillates frequently so you you have to understand that because if you only like yourself a certain way like you're just going to struggle you're just wasting your life and you're missing out on like all of the happy joyous moments that you could be having because there's so much more to life than just what you look like yeah and do you think the way that you view training as something that is so much more than just a means to manipulate your external appearance do you think because of that it has an impact on your relationship with training and your relationship with fitness so I I think that so I think that it's actually much more about perspective it's not really you don't have to have had and I think this is where people get confused like sometimes with my situation like you you don't have to have had like some kind of horrendous trauma or life event to just you know have this perspective on training because training is so amazing for pretty much everyone like the ability to to move in a way in which you can move that's safe for you that's enjoyable how it builds your self-esteem your self-confidence your self-worth it teaches you things about yourself in terms of understanding that you can do hard things because training is hard like it is hard and like it's also a lot of fun but it's hard because it's meant to be and teaching yourself that you can rely on yourself and you can trust yourself to get through those situations well then it becomes broadly applicable to your life and then once you start realizing like I can do that one hard thing 
So now this other hard things come along, I can do that too. So yeah. I th- I think I think it's it's just it's just valuable for for ev- everyone. I love that. I really do and I think that more people should think about that. And it also, I think, is important to, like, everyone tries to make their training, like, fit in a box and (laughs) tries to do what's optimal, for example. But actually, I think that not enough people put enough emphasis on moving their body in a way that they enjoy moving their body because actually that's what's going to really add to their life and make them happier on a daily basis and mean that they're able to actually stay healthier because if they enjoy their training they're going to stay more consistent with it as well yeah I totally agree it's like the the, you know training is the same as like many other things in life like art movies that we watch things that we enjoy there's not a one size fits all like we're all unique and different and you need to find that particular fit I think the issue is with training and I don't know if you've experienced this with clients is that it's hard right so basically once you start something and it's hard instinctively you're like oh no I don't like it and so you give up and um I use this analogy because I have an eight-year-old and um I think that if people push through, like you've got to push through the hard to understand if you enjoy it, because it's just going to be hard and it's just going to suck. Like I tell you, like every time I get out of hospital and I'm like, here we are, like Tetris, like level one again. And I go back in and it sucks. Like it really sucks. It's hard. But I keep going. And I use this analogy because my son is eight. And so um, he's obviously gotten into kind of different sports and things that we've put him into. And he, at the beginning, he he moaned nonstop, nonstop. I don't like swimming. I don't like this. I don't like that. So I cut him a deal. And I said to him, this is the deal. I was like, when you get good at, say, swimming, I was like, once you learn how to swim, and you can swim and you can do all of this, then you get the option to turn around to me and say, you don't want to do it. And if you don't want to do it anymore, I'll pull you out and you won't have to do it. And has he, has he gotten good at anything and asked me to pull him out? No. Yeah. It's the same as training. It's going to suck. It's going to be hard. You got to push through because you're going to think instinctively you don't enjoy it but you've got to figure out and push through that hard because once you find that thing that you enjoy, even when it's hard, you're not going to stop. Yeah. I I love that. And I think it's always the first step that's the hardest as well. And then like you said, once you start to actually reap the benefits of it and see yourself progressing, that's when you're like, shit, like this is so good. And I'm actually learning so much from this that I can apply to the rest of my life. And I feel amazing. So yeah, I love that. So Um, And something else I wanted to talk about, which you mentioned briefly earlier, how sometimes negative comparison can be quite problematic. Have you (laughs) ever struggled with falling into the trap of comparing yourself to others in a negative way? Yeah, so I am really passionate about comparison because I think it is probably one of the biggest toxic traits that we have and I think one of the biggest societal problems that we actually face and I think um I I I've 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 100% been there and especially on this journey that I've been on because the way in which I dealt with a lot of things in the early days was 
um, when I was first diagnosed in, in 2014, you know, I think Instagram just started. And so like the connectivity and the ability to actually like find other people was very limited. Um, and then um, as my health deteriorated and I had different surgeries, I, I became, especially after, the, especially with the bowel situation and, and being in a hospital and not eating, I became quite like quite um like I would say I I went into a bit of a dark hole on comparison because it was really hard for me to not first of all compare myself I'd be like looking for people who'd had bowel surgeries and I'd be like well they're doing this they're doing that they're doing this where am I doing this and then I'd start comparing myself to healthy people who hadn't had bowel surgeries and so suddenly you're caught up in this like really vicious cycle of just a complete lack of self-worth and self-respect and the problem is with comparison is when you're comparing yourself, you're not actually assessing yourself against equal measures. Like life is unequal and there's inequity and we're not all on the same starting blocks. It's like, you know, looking at how they start races, like running races, we're all like staggered on staggered blocks. So comparison's actually like taking you away from understanding what it is that you want from your life and your own particular path and being able to find your joy and your gratitude and your appreciation and that was a really difficult time for me and I think the steer away from from learning to compare myself and um I kind of was very firm with myself and I, I actually and it's also how I engage on social media so I'm not very active on social media in terms of like actually finding other people or it being in the cancer community or the health community, like where I have relationships, they've grown very organically. So in the same way, like you and I have connected, it's been a very organic process rather than like, you know, kind of going out there, like connecting yeah. with everyone. Um, because for me, it's kind of not the energy that I, I put out there because I feel like we're just all so unique and I've come to realize like because of the way my disease is and the way it's progressing you know who that like no there's no point me comparing because the only person that can forge my path is me and the only person that's going to live Danny's life is Danny like you're the only person you're the architect so comparisons completely it's a it's it's probably the most useless tool and I know I'm, I'm going on, but the only other point I would make around this that I encounter is that people say comparison is a form of inspiration. And I really heavily uh, dispute this because the two are very different. So comparison is toxic. Inspiration is a completely different mechanism. And it, I would say if you're finding yourself comparing yourself the best tool that I've learned and the best technique is to actually use that as an internal compass to not pretend that you're being inspired, but to guide you into becoming a bit more self-aware around what is actually troubling you. Because comparison is usually some kind of feeling of lack in ourselves. And it's something that we're missing, which can lead to worse things like jealousy and envy and bitterness and anger and so I would really encourage people that if you find yourself comparing yourself to someone actually try and ask yourself like what is it that is bothering you about you like what what is it and why is it important to you 
Um, and I think that that's that's kind of the most helpful helpful thing that I I did for myself yeah. personally to get myself out of it. Some people find or say that sometimes comparing themselves upwards can be quite motivating in a way. Yeah, is that, that something that you sort of agree with, or do you think that comparison as a whole is is never helpful, specifically for you as an individual? I I personally think comparison is never helpful. So when you talk about comparison and an upward Uh, point of view I see that as the people who inspire me and I see that as the people who make me want to be better myself and that's not comparison that's people who are dealing with life circumstances and handling themselves and showing people that you can take unfair unjust situations or you can be normal, you don't have to be extreme, and sending out positive messages into the world, and who make me want to be a better version of myself, like, for me, that's inspiration, there's, there's no, there's no comparison, like, comparison to, to me personally, is, is useless, like, you and I could go into a gym tomorrow, and, like what's the point of me comparing myself to you because even if you're doing something it doesn't make one of us better than the other that's so that's society dictating what we perceive value to be like do you inspire me like absolutely 100% like I love the messages that you put out and the, the help that you're giving people and really like the lives that you're helping change and show people such po- like a positive aspect of, of life and how you can live it. Like for me, that makes me want, want to be better, but I don't compare myself to you. I just like want to be around that energy. Um, yeah. So, you know, I think that that's, that's more what it is. It's more really around like find the people that inspire you and, you know, be around that energy. And, and and also, you know, it starts with you, be the energy that you want to be around. Yeah, I love that. And when you were stuck in sort of comparing yourself in quite a negative way and you were struggling with that, were there any specific boundaries that you set with yourself or actions that you took to help you snap out of that? Yeah, I think the, um, so I, I actually do a lot of journaling and um, the reason that I do that is because um, I am very, very passionate that we don't train our brains in the same way that we train our bodies. Yeah. So we have something like 60,000 thoughts a day, but they're all rambling around in our heads and we're not training ourselves. So we'll go and train our bodies, but we're not training one of the biggest muscles in our bodies, which is our brain. And it all starts with your brain. And if you don't rule your brain, your brain is going to rule you. And for me, like journaling is a real way in which you develop self-awareness, coherence, thoughts, understanding patterns, behaviors, problems. Um, So that for me is kind of really, like really, really important. Um, And then I think also understanding how you use like social media, because I think it's a real... I like I I love it like I'm not a cancel culture for social media like I wouldn't know you if it weren't for social media I wouldn't know Jodie if it weren't for social media and I think that the connectivity and what it does is like really great and I've met amazing people through it but I am I am very I I, I do not scroll 
I don't really search for anything. I look at who I look. And as I said, like if something comes organically from it, for me, that's great. But that's a really, really big boundary that I have in place because um, as much as I am a huge supporter of everyone in life and I believe in elevation and that we should all you know, be looking to improve each other's lives and help each other rather than drag each other down. It's just really about like understanding that what we pay attention to is where our energy goes. And so if you're paying attention to things that are bothering you, that are triggering you, you need to really ask yourself why you're doing that to yourself. So for me, that's a boundary. So, you know, my social media is a really positive great place um i don't spend an enormous amount of time on there um and i think that that's another really healthy boundary and um you know i think uh, you know for me real life is like the connectivity that you have with people outside of 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 screens and texts and i think that that's a really really important like tool uh, for comparing yeah, I love that. Like I, I always talk to clients about using social media intentionally because it yes. can be a great tool, like you said, for connecting with people or for learning or inspiration if you use it correctly. But I think Sandra. far too many people fall into the trap of just like dead scrolling and yes. doing it in a way which is quite not mind numbing as opposed to inspiring or like connecting with people. Yeah. Yeah. And I think this goes back to the energy that you want in your life as well. Like, you know, if you want to be making changes in your life, like what are you engaging with? What's the energy that you are absorbing? Um, so, yeah, 100 percent. I completely agree with you. You need to be intentional um, and, um, and and think about who you're following and, the, and, and, and what and what this what they're saying, because it's it's quite it's quite troublesome to me actually a, a lot of what people are saying on social media nowadays and I, I think that it can be a very it's 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 a very dangerous tool when used incorrectly it's really polar opposite like really positive or can be really really dangerous and yeah. mess with your mental health and on the topic of social media as well I think that a lot of people fall into the trap of using it for external validation and seeking that is that something that you've ever found yourself caught up in chasing yeah I mean I for me personally no like I I I social media for me like I I use it for the good that it's brought into my life and as I said the authenticity and the relationships that I have I've got like some amazing friends that I've met through there and I really use it for me personally just as a platform to like spread the messages that I want to spread I also I'm really a big believer in I I have this story but I I don't weapon I, I don't weaponize my story. And I think this is also why I'm not actively out there, like connecting with everyone on a cancer journey or every single person who has a health related issue, because everyone expresses themselves emotionally completely differently. And that's entirely personal and um, completely up, up to them. You know, the re the way in which I try and share my story is not to weaponize it against anyone, not to be like, well, I'm do I have all of this stuff going on. I have kidney failure, no organs and stoma bags, and I'm still going to the gym. That's not it at all. Like I'm trying to use the platform and the story to really kind of integrate the message of what 
I think is really important, which is, you know, don't don't self-sabotage your own life and the gifts that you've been given because you cannot get out of your own way. You know, don't be a victim. Like you have more control over your life. Unfair things are always going to happen to all of us. Death, death is real. It's none of us are getting out of here alive. You know, people like are suffering all over. And I think it's just about understanding the power of being able to feel like you are more of an architect of your own life uh, than you you may believe. So for me, so like social media validation is 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 completely it's completely meaningless. Um, and it's just my hope that you know if one person and it's 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 probably why I connected with you because I can tell like the way in which you speak and and how you are on social media, you know if if one one person takes something away from what you've said and develops a better relationship with themselves about their self worth or their relationship with food and their love of themselves so they don't miss out on their life or you you've done like you've done your job like that's what it is like I don't need clapping I don't think that you need clapping I think it's just genuinely about trying to help people just really understand that there's so much joy in life and time's not infinite nothing's guaranteed you've just got to got to live it now while you can yeah 100 percent. I'm fully on board with that and that's absolutely the case like for me social media is is about trying to put out a good message and you know if if people see my content and that helps improve their health or the quality of life or their perspective on life then that's a win for me and that's what I'm trying to do just put out a good message and I think when you do own your own business, it is very easy for people to get sucked into like placing way too much emphasis on things like likes, followers, et cetera. When in reality, they would be so much better off focusing on genuinely helping the people that they're trying to help the reason that they got into doing what they're doing. Yeah. And this is why I'll just say, I have so much respect for you and why I was happy to talk to you because I get asked to talk a lot about my situation. And the reason that I do is because it's clickbait. Like, let's just get real. It's clickbait. And people want to use to manipulate that. And I think your expression and your authenticity, like that comes across like really, really clearly to me on your social media platform. And that is more important. And what worries me a lot more nowadays is like, especially you and your position in your industry, you know, clickbait is what gets attention. And, you know, people are on these kind of extremist views in terms of attracting clients, trying to generate business, make money. And it's very difficult for someone. And I, I have so much respect for you because I, it's, it's actually more difficult to do what you guys are trying to do, which is actually show people that there's an alternative, that there's a normal way, that there's a healthy way, because it's the extremist views that yeah. get the clickbait. And you're trying to do something and help people and be authentic. And that is so much harder and cuts against the grain of society. And, you know, that that's kind of the state that we're in, which is why I always say, like, use social media authentically. And there are certain people that I think, like, who have the microphone and shouldn't have the microphone because all they do is moan. And then other people which don't, you know, necessarily have, have the microphone. But... 
you know that's it's 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 re- like you're in a you're in a really hard business business because the message that you're putting out there is actually the truth and accurate um but you know people love clickbait bait on social media and know? it's not like let's face it it's not the easiest message to sell like it's much easier what? to sell an extreme transformation yeah 100% so before and after them. pictures yeah yeah, yeah yeah i'll get you shredded like I, I said this to someone the other day they were asking me about prepping for photos and i was like any joker can get you shredded i was like but can people give you a sustainable happy life like don't look for people that like can get you shredded look for someone who's going to give you a life yeah like the thing is for me like although it, it would be so much easier for me to make money selling transformations that's it's not important to me. I don't really care. Like I genuinely want to impact people's lives and I would rather make less money and do that than sell transformations and like know that I'm not living in line with my values and what I want to promote. So, yeah. But I also think this is where the distinction comes in because in speaking to you and who you are, you are very clear on who you are as a person and your values and where your line is. And I, if that's a message that I could send to anyone right now, I would say like, that's where it starts. Like, you know, often people are looking to kind of fix problems in themselves externally, which is why there's a focus on social validation, social media, aesthetics, you know, making money, owning a handbag. These are the things that we're trying to look for to fix something in ourselves because we don't understand our values. And when you understand your values as passionately as you do, and as much as I believe in my own values and what I'm saying, you can live authentically because you don't need that validation because you know you're doing it for yourself and you're authentic. And whether people choose to like you or not like you, it, it doesn't ma- it doesn't matter because we're not going to be everyone's cup of tea anyway. So who cares? But it doesn't bother you because you're authentic and you're living by your values. And I think that that is just so refreshing. Yeah, definitely. And like I said, I can see the same in yourself and it's it's (laughs) so good to see. And so when people do fall into the trap of seeking external validation through social media, why is it that that can be problematic for people? I, I look I think I think it's gotten even worse I think that's the the thing is about validation is that people have to understand I'll get a little little psychology from my old background here but you know validation is actually like genetically imprinted into us because it's actually how we survived as a species because the more societal validation you had the more likely you were to survive the more mates you would have the 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 more food you'd probably get so we're still genetically programmed to seek validation all of us even you and I Um, but then what we're coupled with in 2022 is the fact that you know we have these big industries marketers we have people sitting in a room thinking up ways in which to make us feel less than that's their job their whole job is literally how can we make people feel so rubbish about their lives that if they don't buy our product or like are validated by owning this thing or doing this holiday or experience you know that that, that's what we're facing so I, I feel like this is the and and then there's the rise of kind of the influencers and even kind of like the anti-influencers, because even that's like validation. And I feel like this just goes back to understanding like your values and, um, you know, 
the the things that I would always talk to people about is like understand yourself first and foremost because then you understand kind of like where you need like the valid the validation of where it's coming from because you know for a long time like I I I I, I pr- you know, I pretty much lost everything through the cancer experience and the illness. And, you know, I became infertile, you know, I was very ill. I was in a wheelchair. I lost most of my hair. My husband was brushing my teeth. I lost my career, which I'd worked my whole life for the family that I thought I was going to have, which I could never have more of. And I, I didn't really know who I was. I had a loss of loss of identity. And, and that was because I had never stopped to consider or think who I was as a person because I was defined by these other things, these external things. And so um, I think that that's why it's really, really crucial. It was a big it was a big wake up call to me. And, and, and um, I, you know, maybe I would never have had it. Maybe I'd still be like working in you know, finance, asset management, like hurrying around and and not having any values. But I feel like if we actually stop and, and think about what it is that we want in terms of our own characteristics and what we want from life, um, um, then, um, you know, it, it becomes a lot easier because validation is just going to stop you, uh, you uh, and comparison is just going to stop you from living a happy life and you, you're self-sabotaging. Yeah, you're keeping yourself stuck and it's also a never-ending thing like you're never going to get to a point where you're like oh I've got enough external validation now like I'm sound it's a never-ending process like you'll get a bit and you will feel good for that temporarily and then you will want to seek more so it's a never-ending cycle it's not like oh once you get x amount of external validation or once you get validation for a certain person it stops there it doesn't, it's never ending. And I think that's one of the biggest problems of it as well. And I think it goes back to what we said earlier about understanding that situations evolve. So, you know, for example, I had a lot of comments um, this year just because uh, like I did, I did photos and, you know, my, my abs are quite a, um, like a defining feature. I just happen to have quite a defining feature from my abs. Now, if, I, I was getting all the, all this validation because, you know, I have these apps, which everyone, I don't know what it is about apps, but people want them. And um, you can see them clearly on the photos. But I'm about to have a stoma bag. So there's a very real example of if I was really like intoxicated by that validation around my abs I'd be in an absolute spiral nightmare now because not only am I probably never I I, I don't think I've ever seen anyone with a, correct me if I'm wrong people please send them my way but uh, you know working out your abdominals once you've got part of your intestines sticking out I mean of the risk of prolapse and hernias like that's obviously not the done thing plus you've got a bag on your stomach so you know I think that this is a really really good example like of you saying like if you're just constantly chasing this hit of validation and if that is what I you know put my worth against um yeah I I'd I'd be in all sorts of trouble and like that's you you, you, yeah it's just it's just you know those 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 photos I'm not I'm never going to be the same again but that's the whole point and I'll do photos again and I'll just and I'll I'll come as I am because that's that's who I am you know and I'll just I'll just have a bag yeah I very much agree with what you were saying in that 
when people fall into the trap of seeking external validation, it does very often lead to them chasing goals that are not really goals that are meaningful to them. They're just goals 100%. that, you know, yeah. they see other people striving towards that get more interaction, but actually yeah. that don't make them happy and they're literally just wasting their lives away. And behind the yeah. scenes, they might be miserable, even though it looks like they might be successful on things like social media or externally. Yeah. Yeah, I completely agree. Someone sent me a message once and this really this really worried me. She had a bowel surgery and she sent me a message and it was a, it was a positive nice message but she said to me I've taken your profile to my nutritionist because I want to look like you. And I said to her but first of all like no one like we all we all look how we look like it's it's irrelevant like and you have no idea what your recovery is going to be like don't do that to yourself like the fact that you're still here that you've survived and that you've had this surgery like that's that's enough for now and you know you need to look at your own path and where you want to go but like exactly what you're saying like this person's adopting you know as a, a set of beliefs and goals which probably aren't particular to them because it's just kind of a visual representation of what I look like which is just it's just half the story so it's yeah. very it's, it's very it's very dangerous so you really do have to know what you want and why you want to do it um so yeah, I agree with that and you've spoken a little bit about your sort of use of social media and on social media these days, there's a lot of talk about authenticity. What is your sort of personal view on towing the line between being authentic on social media and showing up as your true authentic self, but not oversharing? So I'm probably going to be a bit unpopular here, but I've got a real issue with that at the moment because I, I, see, I, see, I see so much moaning on social media media and it it's really it's really problematic and I think that there's a rise in moaning around mental health and health related issues and the reason for that is because it's obviously you know you you don't come at the person who's saying that they're having a bad mental health day um, and it's totally understandable and these things are happening but I think the problem is is that people don't distinguish between problems and inconveniences and that's how I describe life so people will have inconveniences and they'll be calling them problems and they'll be having breakdowns on social media and obviously then you know what this is it's just another way to validate yourself so it's a way in which you know I I could go I could go out there and and tell you every day every single day on Instagram and put a post up about pretty much all of the heartbreaking things that have happened to me and you'd probably feel really 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 sorry for me and right and and rightly so because it's true it's authentic but I think it's really this is the thing where you like toe the line because it comes back to validation like I I try and blend it in a way of which like this isn't a laundry list of trauma. It's not a laundry list of here is all of the really awful things that I'm struggling with and dealing with. And I want you to feel sorry for me so I can feel a little bit a little bit better about my crappy life. It's instead like take take this and turn it into something positive and 
you take away some type of perspective and how you can change your view on your life. Because if I'm able to do it, then you can too. Yeah. So yeah. I, 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 I have a really, I have a really big issue actually, like, because there's a, and, and it's, it's hard because we all, you, you ask a lot of people and they'll say, well, I'm being authentic. I'm like, I'm upset. I'm sad. I'm having a bad day. My back hurts. I'm crying. But I just don't think that it's helpful in society. And I think you've got to distinguish between what's a problem, what's an inconvenience, and how do you tackle it? What's your energy? And do you do you really genuinely, authentically want to help people and inspire people? Because if you do, then authenticity is about bringing a different energy, bringing in a different perspective. It's not about, you know, here's my story feel bad for me but you know I'm still rallying it's a it's a really it's a delicate line and I I feel like I can probably talk about it a little bit more because I I do genuinely have awful things happening to me but I, I I feel like it's terrible for like normal people so like a lot of your clients you know where they probably don't have health concerns and then they're looking and seeing all of these people with trauma and people are crying and uh, you know, again, I'm not saying it's not authentic. I'm sure they do think it's authentic, but I really just believe in 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 being a different type of energy and having a different type of perspective. And you know, we're not we're not the worst things that have, has ever happened to us. And I think you just got to take your pain and you've got to take your suffering and your crap circumstances and you've got to use it for good. And that for me is where the authenticity is. I'm not. I'm not my disease. The disease is a part of who Petrina is and the life that I lead. It's not, I am not, I am not, my whole life is not the whole disease. Yeah, I love that. And I think it ultimately, I think the line is where the intention is from, where the intention is coming from. And some people might share some things with potentially the intention of seeking validation and they might think that the people receiving that information might not know but often it is very easy to see through I think where people are sharing something from because you can share your journey with genuine intentions not to seek external validation but actually to just be like look these are my circumstances this is what I'm doing regardless of them you know feeling certain emotions is a part of this process and we're human and that's okay but not sharing it from the place of right I want loads of people to message me off the back of this like asking if I'm okay or like give me interaction off the back of this sort of thing yeah I, I I have genuine concerns that we're moving to a place where people are creating more problems than they actually have for validation and my concern around it is that I don't even think that people realize that it, that they are trying to be validated. And that is that is the that's the problem because yeah. you see this stuff and it's not genuine. But I don't think they realize it's not genuine. Yeah. <laughs> and it is about valid. It is about validation. It is about. And, you know, it's quite you know, who can what what more can you validate with? of course like mental mental health issues sickness illness it's very validating it can be very intoxicating to stay in victim mentality it's very seductive it feel it it can feel great when life is like going against you 
like of course when people rally around you it can feel great but like again you know when that support it's not real like when that like and I, I think this about Instagram as well like obviously like I have my authentic friends and support network and I have a lot of support on Instagram but it's it's also you know who's 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 calling 999 who's who's there in the hospital who's doing the rubbish jobs like going and doing your laundry because you need more pajamas and you're stuck in the hospital like that's the that's the real life you've got to build for yourself like you can't get stuck in this social validation intoxicating victim mentality yeah you you've got to build something real and I think when people are going through genuine struggles one of the best things they can do is give themselves time to process that behind the scenes rather than literally in that moment when they are really struggling actually taking social media straight away so I think that's something to bear in mind as well you know when you are seeing people sharing struggles it's like actually a lot of people would be best taking some time for themselves to process what they're going through and to deal with it and then be in a better position to share things from a place of authenticity if they want to yeah and I hope you know I it sounds like I'm trying to get validation from you now but like I hope and I think that that's where I come from because you know I really do like process the things that I'm going through and I share the information in what I hope to be a helpful way rather than a way of which it's like you know here's my laundry list it's really bad you know so um because it's easy it's easy to go down that route but um you know I think I think that that's uh you know the the time to process things and really be articulate and understand what you're trying to say um is really really crucial no I think your your message comes across really well and it comes from a place of like look life's throwing shit at me but this is you know, I'm cracking on regardless and you're ca- like, you're capable of great things. So stop holding yourself back. I think it comes from that place. And I also think that a lot of the time as people go through life, it often takes a traumatic life event or something along those lines to give them a certain perspective on life and to snap them into living life to their true potential. And I think sometimes hearing people like yourself talk about your journey and what you've been through or other people and other traumatic life events, I think sometimes it helps put things into perspective for people who maybe haven't had these traumatic life events without them having to go through it themselves. And I think that has its place. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And also, and I say to everyone as well, like people, some people say things to me like, well, I don't want to tell you because it's not, it's not, it's nothing like what you've been through. And I stop people straight because, you know, we don't have to go through the same things for it to mean something. Like if you're in pain and you've had an experience, like it's meaningful, like it's, it's meaningful to you. Like this is not about the suppression of any type of emotion. It's not about like not being human and it's not top trumps. You know, my health situation is not top trumps um, over someone else's very real problem that they may be having in a relationship or something like that. You know, we all are allowed to feel these emotions. It's just what you decide to do with these emotions. That's what I'm talking to you about. Like, where do you go from there? 
like you know I love the analogy and I always say this like if you have a flat tire you change the tire you don't slash the other three and you know often what I see in life is like people aren't just slashing the other three tires they're burning the whole car down yeah (laughs) so it's it's not it's 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 really like what you choose to do with the unfair the unjust the pain and you know how you choose to handle yourself and and also how you choose to treat other people and elevate each other because you know like dragging each other down is like not going to get us anywhere like I really really believe and I see that a lot in female culture and it, it really upsets me because the more that we are okay with ourselves um, and we get away from the things that you and I have just discussed, like comparison and validation, and we know our worth, the more we're able to elevate each other, because there's room for all of us, like no one's going to take up space, you know, there is infinite space. So we should all be looking to elevate each other, and helping each other live the best lives for us, because the more happiness there is, the more it gets spread around, and the world's just going to be a better place. Yeah. I love that so much. And with the challenges that you've been through, have there been any moments where you have felt like it's been unfair or where you felt like a victim? Yeah, of course. I mean, you know, I like I've never I've I've actually never felt like a victim, even from a very young age. So, you know, I I I've 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 always actually had it's never been the cancer or the health situation. I've always had this type of mentality. Because I've always just had this unwavering faith in really believing that you can build the best life for yourself against any type of circumstance. Um and I've never really seen obstacles, I've always seen possibility. Um, and so I think that that's that's been quite different. Have have I have I felt that things were unfair? Uh, yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, of course, of course. You know, and I think especially now, you know, I was already um, and I'm already very very sick. And the last couple of weeks, um, if you and you know because uh, we're connected, but you know, my son, fl- my son is not here. And he flew over for three days to see me and I spent three hours with him and then he had to call 999 and I was, um, you know, in hospital with kidney failure. And, you know, you, 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 of course you question and you look at your life and you think, wow, like this is just, you know, some of it's wild. Like you're never going to get an answer to the question of why some things feel unfair it, it it goes back to kind of how you 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 deal with them but yeah of course and and you know uh, things are going to be very serious in in next year you know I've had a round of surgical appointments and because things are so problematic now um there's going to be a lot of hospital time there's the stoma surgery there's the worry about the kidneys there's the removal of the ovaries so it's it's going to be it's going to be at least a four or five month um, process starting in January for me next year. So, you know, that that that's a lot to wrap your head around. And my son will still be in Dubai in school and I will be in London and, you know, we'll we'll figure things out. But, yeah, of course, it's you know, it's 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 really it's really hard. It's really hard. Yeah. Um, 
and I wish do, do I wish things w- were different yeah I I, I a- absolutely I'm not I'm not going to lie and say you know it's it's fine I wish that things were different because I see you know the people that love me suffering and my family suffering and people want me to be better and I'm never going to get better um and it's hard for it's hard for everyone so you know I do I do I do think I think it's a natural human we you know we wouldn't be human if we didn't sometimes think that things were unfair um but again it's um these are the cards that I have been dealt in my life and you know, there is no contract, you know, there is no sense of entitlement. And, you know, we believe that we're entitled and we believe we're going to just grow up and get married and have kids and have good lives. And one day we'll die peacefully in our sleep at 80 years old. And there's no contract that says that that's how it's going to go. And there was, there was, there's nothing that says that I'm special. I'm not special. This happened to me. And, you know, it's very, very sad and I wish it was different, but this is my life and this is what I personally have to decide how I'm going to deal with it. Um, and um, so, yeah, I do wish I do wish things were different, but, um, you know, sad, sadly, they're not. But um, I also believe in myself. So, um, you know we will we will get get through this next next lot and uh, we'll just see how it goes yeah when you have these moments where you feel like life is being particularly unfair how do you not let this hold you back and are there any specific sort of tools or behaviors that you engage in on a regular basis that really benefit you and help you through that yeah, so um, for me, I mean, f- first of all, I don't dwell on it because the reality is like you've got to learn what you can control and what you can't control. I cannot control most of the stuff that's happening to me. So what I can control is my mental well-being and, and keeping myself physically as well as possible. So like I said, I journal. I really love walking. Like I can't like do strenuous walks, but like just being outside, like I think it's really important to get light exposure. I'm really, really big on light exposure um, and just keep on moving. Training, that's just like a, that's just a non-negotiable to me like my love for my love for training my passion for training um and focusing on all of the things that I've got and all of the love that I've got like I you know life has been unfair but like who am I to stop looking at all of the wonderful things that I've got I've I've got you know a, a husband who's going through more than he should be doing but it's incredible I've got an amazing son, amazing son. So yeah, so I couldn't have more. I'm infertile, but I yeah, hit the jackpot with what I got. And, you know, I have like, yes, I've got all of this disease, but I've got great medical care in terms of people who want me to live. I've got great friends. I've still got things I can do. So I try and focus not on the loss, because I feel like if you stay in that unfair place where you focus on your grief and your loss, like it's going to be really hard for you. And I think that you just try and keep moving forward and you take it day by day. And, and on the worst days, you just say, all I have to do is get through today, just this moment. 
those are on the worst days. And then, you know, generally, like if you look for the light, you're going to find the light. That's just how my brain works. My brain's just like more geared to just seeing the positive and just seeing all of the the good. So, um, you know, I, 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 but I would say to people who aren't really at that mental stage yet, like the, the biggest thing is, is, you know, honestly, like don't, don't dwell, don't focus too much and actually find the things that make you happy and focus on that more. Yeah. I love that so much. And I like this podcast has just been incredible to sort of wrap up out okay. of the lessons you've learned throughout your life so far <laughs> you could like teach that to someone without them having to go through shit what would it be yeah. first of all you don't have to go through shit like this is the biggest misconception ever you don't have to have gone through anything that I've gone through and it wasn't my health situation that made me this way I've always been this way I just used the health situation because it's a, a, a strong analogy but I really really believe that people can live just the most incredible lives like under the most extraordinary circumstances and I really believe in being the energy that you want to see in the world and that you want to be around like if you are looking to improve yourself in any way like you start by improving yourself and then seeking out and finding the people to be around and I just think that you have so much potential in you like don't wait to be used you said this this is your quote not me but like don't wait to be perfect to start like like there's no such thing as perfect you've got the potential in you and you've only got one life like this isn't a dress rehearsal and I don't think that anyone is going to want to sit there when they're 70 no health crisis and look back and regret the things that they didn't do because I can tell you now hand on my heart if something went wrong and I don't make it through and like that's it for me I have no regrets I have none and I genuinely mean that because I've made sure that that's how I've lived. Do I want more time? Yes, 100%. I want more time because I love to live. But do I have regrets? No. Yeah, I love that so much. And like I said, I'm just, I'm so grateful for your time today because I think this podcast has been so powerful. And I know that you don't sort of place too much emphasis on social media, but if anyone does want to follow along with your journey or connect with you, where can they find you? So it's just my name, Petrina Barber. So Petrina Barber on um, Instagram. Um, so yeah, so I'm just uh, I'm just on there, and that's kind of where I post my uh, my 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 mix, my very confusing mix of uh, either some like six pack abs or like hospital stay. <laughs> I think I confuse everyone, but that's what that's where I am, and that's where the updates are. Yeah, amazing. Anyone listening, if you want to connect with Petrina, I will put her details in the description down below. Thank you so much for listening. It means the world. If you do enjoy the content on the Female Fitness Podcast, if you could like, subscribe and leave a review down below, it would mean the world. And I will see you next week.